0: Now we're on. Some of you may be disappointed tonight because I'm not sharing some secret investment strategy or I'm not talking about how to invest in the market, and, and, and that's way above my pay grade. That's way over my head. I am only giving you what God's given me, and what God's given me is, is spiritual principle that'll work anywhere, anytime for anybody, and it doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. I want to talk about the last thing tonight, and that's the purpose of you being blessed financially. Here's my first idea for all of this, and it's number one. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot outgive God. The Bible says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive. God said, I'm going to pour a poor blessing on you. God cannot lie. So if we are obedient with our giving and the paying of the tithe, he's going to pour out blessing. But a lot of people have tithed and they look at their money and they say, you know, I don't know that I have been blessed back. And here's where you've made a mistake. You're looking for dollars and what I want you to see is God doesn't always answer in dollars. God's currency is wisdom so we don't have a if we're if we're giving and and we're not seeing something come back we got a receiving problem all right it's not it's not that god's not giving it's we're not receiving and so what i want you to see we've got to learn how to receive pastor friend of mine sat down several of the men of his church older guys he says guys i want to talk to you I've seen you guys in my church for years. You've paid your tithes. You've done okay. But I just want to ask you something. Can any of you think of a time that that God gave you an idea and you sat on it and you didn't do it? And had you followed that idea, it would have made you at least a million dollars. Any of you guys say that? And one old farmer spoke up and says, Pastor, i got to tell you what happened to me. He said, I was a young farmer, was doing well, working my farm, making money off my farm, and there was an older farmer that I knew, and he called me over to his farm one day. He said, John, I want you to buy my place. He said, you know how good it is. He said, I have worked this land for years, and I have turned this into a very productive farm. He said, now, I know at first it's going to be a little bit of extra work for you. But you can do it. I know you can do it. You can do it with the farm you've already got plus this one. He said, I'm not going to charge you a penny in interest. I'm going to let you pay this farm out at a safe and reasonable rate. And I know what this farm will do. You will make more money than what it's going to cost to pay it off. You're not going to need a house to live in because you already got a home. So I know you can take this on. I just admire how you've worked. And I want to sell my farm to some young man like you. So John went home and he thought about it. He started thinking, man, that's a lot of extra money. That's a big old payment. And he got thinking about there's a little bit of risk. And he thought, you know, if this was his God, maybe there wouldn't be any risk. Tell that to David and Goliath. Tell that to Daniel and Elijah and tell that to Noah. There's always a little bit of risk but God mitigates the risk. A very wise man told me once, he said, if you take on a financial obligation, if you borrow money for something or you take on an obligation, he said, you make sure there is an income stream with it that will help you pay for your added load. And that's what the man had. He had an income stream. Years ago, I borrowed money for TV equipment when we were making gospel bill shows. I had a studio that I leased, and we rented TV equipment. The equipment got worse and worse and worse. The more we rented, the worse it got. It got run down. Other people weren't taking care of it. We would only rent it for one day a week. Then I had to take the raw film that I had, and Oral Roberts at his City of Faith Hospital put in an edit suite for editing uh, medical videos for the hospital and when the hospital didn't do as well they needed to make some money with that edit suite so they started selling time in that room and so that's where I edited the first gospel bill shows so I would shoot them on rented equipment and my guys would take it over and they'd spend four days a week editing the show one day a week we would film it and then we would have a gospel bill show one coming out every week but I wanted to get my own equipment. The first thing I did was I borrowed enough money for just the recording equipment and editing equipment. I couldn't get cameras. Couldn't afford them. They were $180,000 for three of them, and so I couldn't get them, and 60 apiece, $60,000 apiece. But I got enough money for the edit suite, so I kept renting the cameras. We went six, eight months like that, and the cameras got worse and worse and worse, and It wasn't that we just didn't like them. It's that the light balance on the camera, they didn't match. And so in one shot, I've gone on a blue shirt, and the next shot, from the other camera, the shirt turns green, and then it turns purple on the third camera. Okay, because they're all out of whack, and they've not been maintained. So it's not a matter of preference. It's just like we don't like changing shirts five times never seen. So, uh, I had waited and waited and waited to get the cameras. And finally, uh, what happened is Sony came out with new cameras that cost 20000 apiece. I can now buy three broadcast quality cameras for 20000 $60,000 was the price of one of the cameras before. But I didn't know what was happening. God knew that Sony was going to come out with a chip camera six months after I got my other stuff, and he saved me $120,000 by not getting me that loan. But when I got the loan, now I can make TV shows all the time. So guess what we did? We launched another TV show, this one for teenagers, called Fire by Night. And so I got an income stream to come along with my new debt. I had something else I could sell. And so that Fire by Night video club, fourteen ninety five dollars a month, jumped up to over 2,000 subscribers. So you do the math, $15 a month times 2,000. That's pretty good money, isn't it? And so, but that helped me make my payments. I had new responsibilities, but I had an income stream to go with it. Then one day I was sitting around thinking, you know what? We ought to do a little Sesame Street type show for kids to learn the alphabet that's Christian based. So we came up with one called Candy Store. Then I said, I know another thing I can do. I can talk to pastors about practical ministry. And I call my TV show for pastors, the Ministry of Excellence. We were one of the first pastors... Uh, training things that were out there to just talk about how you do church. Nobody was doing that. And so we started doing that video called the Ministry of Excellence. I did all of that stuff because I had my own cameras. So I got all these payments, but along with the payments, I had an income stream. Are you with me? All right. Now here's what I want you to see. God wants to bless you financially so that you can be a blessing He wants to give to you so that you can help his kingdom. That's the whole purpose of all of this. And if we're not careful, it's not just about you heaping this on yourself. God wants to bless you so that you can be generous with his kingdom. Now listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I'm going to read it real quickly. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why is this giver cheerful? Because he knows God's going to pay him back. But God's not going to pay him back in money. He's going to pay him back with ideas. And when you understand that God is raining down ideas on people, there are ideas out there waiting for you. And that's why you can be cheerful. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you're going to do it. And the one thing I always saw, whenever I gave to God, God started giving me back ideas. Idea after idea after idea after idea. God has ideas for us. Hallelujah. Now, let's keep going. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. He scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is a special offering that Paul took from the Gentile churches. He said, I'm taking it back to the saints at Jerusalem. The saints at Jerusalem were responsible for sending the gospel to the whole world. And God started moving on those people. And he moved on them to sell all their properties. They started selling all their lands and they got rid of their property. Consequently, a few years later, they were poor because they'd sold and given up everything. It may look like that God wasn't taking care of them. But that's not true. Now Paul is used of God to take money back to these people to help them. But let me tell you why God had them sell all their stuff. Jesus prophesied that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And he said it won't take one generation. He said there won't be one stone on this temple mount that won't be thrown down. There won't be one on top of another. And so God's plan was for his church to get out and to get out of the city. And so by the time they left, they had no ties there because everything had dried up. God had dried it up to save them. And when Romans came and surrounded the city... The Christians were trapped inside. All those believing Jews were trapped inside. They would have been crucified just like the later Jews would be crucified when the city was finally conquered. But then the Roman emperor died. Nero, you ever hear of him? Nero dies. And so the guy who's in charge of the siege around Jerusalem is a general named Vespasian. He takes his son, Titus, who's also a general, and they leave and they go back to Rome to become the Roman emperor. Vespasian becomes emperor. And then Titus comes back to take over the siege of Jerusalem. But while he's gone, God speaks to all the Christians and said, Get out of this city. It's going to be destroyed. Their lives were saved. And money from the Gentile church had helped them to move and go on because of what Paul brought back. Now listen to me. God wants to use you to be a blessing to fund his kingdom. And sometimes he's working in ways you don't know even, you don't even know he's working. And he has two kinds of blessing for you. Your money falls in two categories. Number one... There is bread for food. And number two, there is seed to sow. God doesn't want all your money. He doesn't want the bread for food part. That's yours. But God does want you to plant seeds. And where you screw up money-wise is when you don't sow any seed. You're not going to get ahead. God, People will say, and I heard people say this, you know, you take that tithe and you give the tenth part and God will bless and he'll increase the rest of your money. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. If you go out in the field and you reap a crop and you put a bunch of corn in a silo, but you take 10% out and you replant it, that's the part that God multiplies. He doesn't multiply what you keep. He multiplies what you give. Are you with me? Now, he blesses what you keep, but he multiplies what you give. And so this passage teaches that God wants to bless you so that you will always have enough for you and yours, but you've also got enough to be a blessing to everybody else. Now, I learned this a long time ago, and I didn't tell you this part of the story. I told you I made a million dollars on a piece of property. Can I tell you where I made that money? My wife and I bought a little house in Plainview, Texas, our first home. $14,000. It needed all kinds of work. We loved that little house. It was ours. It was better than that apartment complex we lived in where everybody's on welfare. And and our upstairs neighbor was a drug dealer. I mean, it was so much better than that. We had a yard. We had a dog. I mean, we had stuff we'd never had before. I was thrilled. God led us to sell the house and go to Tulsa. I had $5,000 in equity. We got to Tulsa, and there was an amazing speaker, a missionary who talked about living to give, not just giving to live, but living to be a giver. And God spoke to me when I heard him. He said, I want you to give away that $5,000. We were living in an apartment. Our deal hadn't closed. We we didn't have uh, uh, the money yet. And before it came, God told me, give it up. I said, Lord, I'll do that, but you've got to talk to my wife. This is a big deal for her. This is hers, too. And I know if this is right, you will have spoken to her by the time I talked to her. So I waited several days, and I said, honey, I've got to talk to you. I don't know why I took her in Witt's bedroom. He was our only kid at the time. He was two years old, and we went in his bedroom. I guess I was thinking if she kills me, maybe she'll back off a little bit because it's in front of our two-year-old son. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I went in there and I said, baby, God's been talking to me. And she started crying like a baby. She knew what I was going to say. And she's crying like a baby. I said, God told me we're supposed to give away the money off the sale of the house. She said, I know it. He's already told me. Wow. I asked him to tell you because I didn't want to tell you without him talking to you. First, <laughs> right? So right there in that little bedroom, we made $10,000 the year before. That was our salary. And we made a decision to give away $5,000. 50% of our annual salary. We gave that away. We joined hands and prayed. We said, God, we're giving that to you. That's why... Okay. I, I, I better finish my details. Some realtors knocked on our door that week. They said, you would live the house easy as you can in an apartment. And my wife said... Honey, I've set up an appointment. We're going to go look at houses this Saturday. I said, baby, remember, we gave the money away. I know, I know. But you said God's going to give us a house. Hi. Well, he will, but maybe not this quick. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going to humor her. So we, 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 we go looking at houses. We look at six or seven houses. And one of them we go into, the carpet's dry-rotted. It needs all kinds of work. This house is run down. The bones are great. It's got good hardwood floors underneath the carpet. But this, this house needs some work on it. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, I double-dog dare you buy this house. <laughs> he said, "I don't know. you know what that means in Texas? It ain't just I dare you. I double-dog dare you. <laughs> if the Holy Ghost says to you, I double-dog dare you, that means he's serious. And I said, Lord, I don't have the money. Are you? Is this a test? I still haven't gotten that $5,000 come back in from Plainview. Are you trying to trick me here? You told me to give that. We've given that money, and now you're trying to tell me to buy a house. And so I prayed about it, and I know I heard God. So I went to the reader, and I said, this is funny. But I said... We've got the money, but we don't have the money. We're giving away the money off our house. And instead of the realtor telling me he, I, I was a nut, he said there's a man over here on South Lewis Avenue who's been doing that for years. Look at what he's built. He's talking about Oral Roberts. Wow. He said he was a sinner, but he'd been watching Oral Roberts, giving money all that time. And Seed Faith, he'd learned all that from watching Oral Roberts. And so he got a chance to watch me and my wife do that very thing. So that money came in. We gave it up. But he said, I can put this house under contract for a $500 check. I said, I don't have $500. He said, can you have $500 in 30 days? Yeah, we could have it in 30 days because we're making a little bit more money than we made in Texas. So, yeah, he said, I'll take a post-dated check. So I got 45 days to come up with $5,000. Now tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to learn something here. If that was your voice, then five thousand dollars is coming. But if that wasn't your voice, I ain't ever listening to that again. If that's you, if that's you, I ain't listening to you again. And money's got to come, Lord, because I know I I thought I heard you, so you got to come through. And I told my wife, I said, "This is crazy." I said. I can make a bad confession of faith every single day this 45 days, and we're still going to get the money. This blows me away. I've never had faith like this in all my life. We're going to get the money. 43 days in, I got a check in the mail for $5,000. I'd ministered at a camp meeting, and I'd never done one of those before, and they gave me $5,000 for preaching 62 hours to kids. I earned every bit of that money, but I had... (laughs) Eighteen services, three services a day, sometimes lasting until after midnight. I hate camp meetings. To this day, I hate camp meetings. But here's my point: We moved in that house, and that's the one we sold and made ten thousand dollars on after we fixed it up, and then twelve, and then fifty-four, and then ultimately we made a million dollars off one piece of property. Do you see what I'm telling you? You can't outgive God. God wants to use you to bless the church. You're all he's got. Some of us let the rich people do it. The rich people don't have a heart for it, most of them. But you've got the heart for it. Some of us says, but I don't have the money. That's fine. God would rather have the heart than the money. If you've got the heart to help the church, God can get money to you. God can help you get all the money you need. That's what he's looking for. I tell... These little old young couples in our church all the time, you, you have a heart to support the church. God will get the money to you. Some of you got almost nothing right now. In a few years, you're going to be worth a whole lot of money. And I have these young couples write me letters, and they remind me of what I said. It's amazing how God blesses them because they see what their purpose is. Now, listen, my church is about this. Years ago, we had a missionary. You ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke? Reinhardt Bunke comes to our church. Before he got there, the Lord says, Reinhardt's coming. He's got a serious need. I want you to save $100,000 and give him a check for $100,000 when he gets here. So Reinhardt came to our church. He preached the first night. And the next morning, I spoke to him. I said, Brother Bunke, the Lord told me that you have a big need. It's the biggest need you've ever had. And I'm supposed to give you $100,000. He said, Pastor George, He said, I have just been given permission to hold a crusade in Lagos, Nigeria, in the center of the city, on a piece of ground that is soon to be developed. All the major roads go around it. I will have a crusade with well over a million people in attendance at that meeting. God has told me by the Holy Spirit that I will have... A service, one single service, at some time before I go home to be with Jesus, I will have one service where I lead one million people to Christ. He said, I believe this is the crusade. I said, well, what do you need the 100,000 for? He said, I've got to have books to give to all those people. I don't have the follow-up books. And so I said, we're giving you a 100,000. Now that he's here and I've heard the story, the Lord said, that's not enough. I want you to give him another 150000 And I said, Brother Bonke, the Lord spoke to me again. He said, I've got to give you another hundred and fifty. We don't have it, but if you'll be patient with me in the next three months, I'll get you $50,000 a month. We finished paying for it in October. His crusade was in late October. He had so many books printed to give to people who received Christ that they had to print them in several different countries because there wasn't enough printing capacity. And they came from all over the world. And he gave an invitation. And in one night, over one million people came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know who paid for every single one? Of the booklets that was given to them, me and my little old church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm so glad we got to be a part of that. Now, listen to me. You can't outgive God. Years ago, I started a ministry called 180, Reaching Teenagers. I got so burdened for our teenagers. I became the youth pastor. I canceled meetings. I quit taking engagements. I quit going to speak at seminars where I would make thousands of dollars. I stayed at home to work with our teenagers. I said, God, what am I doing when I'm standing there in the morning looking at a bunch of seventh grade kids in a Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, uh, Bible study at 7 o'clock in the morning at a middle school, and they're half asleep, and I'm in there talking to these kids because they invited me to come. And they're not enthusiastic, and they're not clapping, and they're hard to talk to. And I think I could be preaching to people who are clapping and hollering and hooting and yelling and then giving me a check for coming, and here I am with the 7th graders. (laughs) And I poured my heart into those kids, and we turned around our youth group. And once I did that, we spent about six, eight weeks on it. I said, I'm going to have to cut TV. I was on TV in eight cities, and I cut it all. I told the guys, I'm not buying any more TV time. I'm done. i got to have the money to reach these teenagers. Nobody's going to reach these teenagers. There's plenty of people on TV. I don't need to be on TV, but I need to be with these kids. So I poured my heart into those kids. I get a phone call from the largest real estate company in the southwest About a month after this happens. And they say, Pastor George, we own a piece of ground right north of your church. And we want to sell it. Make us an offer. We want to offer our books by the end of the year. And I says, Trammell Crow, I would love to have that piece of property, but I don't have the money. I don't have the money. We just started a stewardship campaign. I'm putting all my money into teenagers, and, and I've got to build an auditorium, and, and we don't have the money. They said, Pastor George, we don't think you understand. Make us an offer. We want to off our books by the end of the year. They told me that on Thanksgiving. I said, God, I think they're trying to tell me something. <laughs> 35 acres. I got on my knees and started praying. I said, Lord, how much do I offer Trammell Crow for this 35 acres? He said, Offer them 2000 an acre. Offer them $70,000. I said, Lord, they're going to let me out of the building. I can't offer them. You offer them $70,000. I bought 35 acres of land <laughs> for $70,000. Wow. Now, all, that whole area is being developed. But, but God paid me back. For those little seventh grade kids that didn't have any money, he gave me a piece of ground to build their youth building on, and it cost me just seventy thousand dollars. And later on, we put a ten million dollar facility on that. But God gave me the real estate dirt cheap. Kids don't have the money, so God says I'll just have to take it up on their account. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. You will never outgive God. Now, here's the last thing I want to share with you as I close this this evening. And I want to thank you for being so kind to me. And it's this. When God led Joshua into the promised land, and this is where we are. This is where we are with this church. We're about to go into the promised land. We're about to drive out some giants, and we're going to take over a building. we got a building to build. I want you to pay attention to what God said through Joshua to the children of Israel, or what He said about them. God said in Joshua 1 6, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. You didn't get it. You did not get that. You see, Joshua is going to lead the children of Israel. To conquer the land of Canaan. And on the map, it's not going to say Canaan anymore. It's going to say Israel. But if you get a magnifying glass and look real close, on every little piece of ground, there's somebody's name. That was a corporate challenge, but it was also for the individual. And God is saying, when the Israelites buy into this and you conquer the land, I'm giving a piece of ground to every single Israelite family. This is not just for you, the church. This is for the whole country. Every individual household is going to come out of this with something. I don't bless churches corporately and not bless people individually. And I tell people all the time, you cannot not Give to this. And we're not taking an offering, but I'm telling you what, this church's gonna build a building soon. And I'm gonna tell you what, when they ask you to give, don't you be afraid. Because your future's tied up with this. As this church goes, so goes your house. And that's what I learned a long time ago. You cannot out God. You get ready. If God's gonna give something new, he's gonna give something to you because you're the people that make it happen. It can't be done without you. And that's why I have people who come to me, and I will not apologize for taking an offering. I will not apologize at all. When we get to heaven, people are going to come find me. They're going to come grab me. They're going to weep and cry, and they're going to say, Pastor Willie, thank you for giving an offering, for taking the offering. Thank you for challenging us to give. We gave sacrificially. I want to show you what Jesus did for us. Look at this reward. Not only did he bless us on the earth, but look at this mansion he gave us. He showed us all these things we did. We didn't even know we did it. I got bus drivers going to come find me, hug my neck. I took all my Saturdays and drove buses for you and picked up kids. And I picked up all these kids and I didn't know it, but Jesus was building something for me. And look at this. I got nursery workers going to come to me and say, I want you to look at what Jesus gave me, Brother Willie. Look at this. Look at this reward he gave me. Billy Graham doesn't have one of these. Or Roberts does not have one of these. This is a golden pamper. I changed diapers and Jesus saw every diaper I changed and he He gave me one out of solid gold with jewels all around it. He knows exactly how many little babies I took care of. He knows exactly how many diapers I changed. He gave me a wonderful match. And you gave me an opportunity to serve. And I am so glad you twisted my arm and got me to volunteer in that nursery. I'm so glad you gave me a chance to be a part of that building program. I'm so glad you gave me a chance to serve. Because... God's blowing my mind with what He's done for me. Can I tell you this? Once you start this, listen, this stuff is already, it's already started in my family. When I die, it's gonna keep on my kids. I brought a blessing on my kids that'll stay on them for generations. You get somebody that starts serving God in their house, it doesn't stop with you. You'll bring it on to your kids for generations. Thank you for letting me come and be a part of your time.